Why don't we come together? Why do we gotta fight? Let's be like sis and brother who finally got it right. Let's face up each other. Black, brown, yellow, blue, white. Let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spite. The highest we can be. You are listening to the Tom Fickett Show on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, good morning, good morning, folks. Thank you for gathering with us uh, via the interwebs. Um, also, thank you, uh, Tom Ficklin, for uh, supplying this platform for us to connect with the community. Um, can't thank you enough for that and giving uh, myself the opportunity and providing one of the dopest producers in the business. Here we draw, holding us down, making sure everything runs right. So we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to have a couple of guests today. And one of those guests in our uh, community conversation around uh, policing, and then we're also going to have some guests uh, discussing uh, reentry and social networking. Um, but our first guest today is Chief Roderick Porter. How you doing today, sir? I'm good, Earl. Thanks for having me, man. Man, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you, man. Um, Likewise. Got a few questions for you. Um, we're gonna go through, but before we get into you know those questions, if you you know you mind for the folks that are not aware that you are the current uh, chief of police of the city of Bridgeport, um, if you want to talk a little bit about that in your history, I know you and I met um, a while back, just on happenstance and talking. We were in front of my office, and mm -hmm. you come to find out that. My office used to be your office. So, um, yeah, if you want to just give us some background so the people can get to know you a little bit who don't, who may not know you. Yeah, just uh, real briefly. So I got like 36 years of law enforcement experience, 36, 37 years. Um, I've been with the Bridgeport Police Department for 32 years. Uh, I've been the police chief now since December of 2022. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, my background has been uh, – in law enforcement, really community engagement, community policing, uh, you know, that's kind of like the basis of uh, uh, how I police. Um, you know, I think that uh, crime stats are important, but how people feel is even more important. And, uh, you know, I think to be successful in policing, you have to have good community engagement, good community participation. And, uh, you know, I can't be successful unless the community is a part of what I'm doing. So. Uh, yeah, that's just, you know, quick synopsis of uh, of my career. Um, and you're right. So my office used to be your office. Um, a while back, I was in charge of the Internal Affairs Division. And that used to be my office where you are. And uh, um, the thing I hated about that office was there was no windows. There are no and, windows. Um, no, it's like being in a casino, man. I have no yeah. idea what's going on. Uh, I, I felt like I was in a tomb sometimes. Like, I didn't know how, how it looked outside. So, um Whenever I get an office, I'm always, I always got to, the only thing I want, you got to give me a window. <laughs> uh, that's that's something I'll be discussing in the future, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't, if it's day, I don't know if it's morning, night, whatever. People ask, hey, what's what's the weather like? I have no clue, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 tough, man. And, and I just want to say, uh, Earl, I, I really uh, appreciate what you're doing with reentry. I, I, I think that is another vital part of um, how proper policing and law enforcement, right, is the key is to 
not have crimes occur. And right. the way we not have crimes occur is to help people who uh, might have in the past participated in some cr 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 criminal activity. Um, so give them avenues so that they don't um, re-offend. Re and so um, I, I appreciate what you're doing. Man. It's an important part of what Thank we're you. trying to do. I, I mean, I think it goes hand in hand. Um, a number of aims that, uh, you know, that the administration and uh, Mayor Ganim have for us is around uh, decreasing recidivism so people are not going back in and out of prison that are residents of Bridgeport, providing them some resources. And then um, ultimately uh, increasing public safety, which is goes hand in hand with what you're about as well. So, um, and with that being said, what you talked a little bit earlier about the importance of community policing, I'm wondering what does that look like for you in action? Um, I know you and I have worked on a couple of programs. I know you, you, you've done the project longevity stuff. Um, I mean, does it also include your officers walking the beat? What does community policing look like in action to you and what does it mean? Yeah, so walking the beat, getting to know people, getting engaged with people um, are all of the actionable parts of community policing. Um, seeing officers out in the community, connecting with people, with the citizens, um, addressing issues at a lower level before they become potential uh, uh, criminal activity um, and just really engaging. Um, so even more than like the actionable parts of community policing, the mindset is actually more important than um, the actual walking the beats. Right. So the walking the beats is fine. I'm sorry. The mindset of your officers. Yeah. It's okay. like, so walking the beats are fine, but you have to walk that beat with the mindset that we're community oriented, we're community engagement, not like there to be the police and not really uh, interact. So um, mindset as, is as important as the actual actionables of walking and talking and, and, you know, doing those things. So it's also developing a mindset that community policing is community engagement, um, community participation and things like that. Okay, fair enough. Um, what would you say, you, you've had a long career in uh, policing and now you're at the top. What, what would be something that your younger, newly, uh, newly out of the academy self would say to your chief self? And what was something that your chief self would say to your newly out of the academy self? Wow, that's a good question, man. Uh, let me think about that. So I would say my my uh, chief now um, saying to my younger self would be, um, um, you know, be patient, um, you know, learn, um, educate yourself, um, you know, really try to understand why crimes occur understand the root causes of crime on the current, understand what drives crime and what contributes to individuals participating in criminal behavior. That's what I would say to my younger self. Like you really need to understand those and it'll help you do your job better. Um, because the younger part of me didn't care why people were selling drugs. It was just, I wanted to catch them selling drugs and arrest them and get them off the streets. Where now the chief part of me is, why are they selling drugs? Why are they selling drugs? Or why is there crime occurring in that neighborhood? Like, so what do we do to address um, why people feel comfortable doing the things they do in that neighborhood? So the chief part of me says to the younger part of me is understand the root causes of crime and try and address those areas. Um, 
the younger self saying to me now would be like, wow, I never thought I would be a police chief. I just wanted to be a police officer and, uh, you know, have a career and be able to make a difference in my community and be able to provide for my family. Um, um, but I would say to myself now is don't forget the reasons why I originally became a cop. It was always that passion. I just, something I always wanted to do. I wanted to really give back and really help people and, uh, to continue to make sure that, um, I remember those things and not forget when I was a police officer and what the young police officers go to. Right. So as the chief, it's important that I remember how it is to be out there sitting in those police cars, driving around for eight hours, working the midnight shift, um, having to stay up all night long and, you know, being uncomfortable in that car, uh, things like that. And understand what these officers are going through. Okay. Um, Because, and I just want to, because it changed from when I was an officer. We didn't have to wear body Lots cameras. Yeah. yeah, we didn't wear body cameras. There was no cell phones. <laughs> no, nah, it's, a, it's a different world. Um, it's funny that you say that because I, I remember actually just meeting up with some of my uh, college cohort friends and thinking, like, we were definitely blessed not to have social media while we were in college. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And cell phones. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Um, well, um, that being said, I know, like, again, getting back to the community policing stuff, um, I think the first time I met you once I came on board in Bridgeport um, was over by the terrace, and uh, I was working with the workplace and um, Tahiba Baines, and we were doing some stuff around giving out backpacks and pizza mm-hmm. to, uh, to, the, to the kids in the community right before school. So mm-hmm. getting, getting with that engagement and, and those are the things that you were doing and are doing uh, prior to being chief and, and as you are chief now, what does it look like for you? There's been a lot of talk and a lot of uh, municipalities um, engaging in uh, diversionary uh, programming, maybe perhaps working with social workers or trying to, kind of divert or deter people from having to get into the uh, judicial system and prison pipeline and getting people to kind of the services they, they need. What does that look like in Bridgeport? And is that going on? At, or how is that taking shape or being piloted? Yeah, so I, I would think even beyond the police department, you know, the, our, the mayor and his administration, we, like your program and others, um, the city's really um, taken a, a big commitment and a big stance to to deal with those issues, to to, to um offer alternatives and, and, and services so people don't get caught up in the system. And I think it's important that the police be a part of it. So as you know, I'm a part of Project Longevity. Um, I worked at, with, with the U.S. Attorney's Office um, with Project Safe Neighborhoods to to talk to people um, to make sure we keep our young people in, in, into programs that are positive. This past year, you know, we did midnight basketball um, with the Hall Neighborhood House and the Boys and Girls Club. We work with boxing programs just to offer all types of alternative services. We've done basketball camps over the years and and, and just many different programs, diversionary programs to keep our kids, um, you know, and occupied and, and, and provide the services that they, uh, that will better serve them. So I, I just think that like the, the time you, you said you saw me out there with backpacks and mm-hmm. that's just something that we've done in the community and from the police department from the uh, mayor's administration, that's been a big commitment to Bridgeport. So uh, I just think that it's important that we engage and offer kids, young people, um, alternatives from service. 
Yeah, that's similar. Some of the stuff that we're working, we're doing here uh, with Myra in the city. Um, we have a program that we run called Bridgeport's Family First. And in that program, we have funding from the Department of Justice uh, where we're working with parents that are incarcerated while we're also working with their um, children and whoever's mm -hmm. the caretaker in the community trying to work with wraparound services for the whole entire family. So as that person uh, who is serving out their time um, is re, you know, matriculating back into the uh, community, we also want to make sure that we're providing some resources around their family. And if there's an issue of, you know, that, you know, that the, the father is not speaking with the, the mom and the kid or the mom is not speaking with the father and the kid, whoever may be incarcerated, we're trying to build those bridges um, of reunification so that even if they are not going to be living together, but the importance of that connectivity of the of the family unit, because one of the things that we prominently believe here is that, you know, it's not just that individual and in, in, in that's locked up, that's serving time and doing time that's, you know, missing from the community. That 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 absence is also impacting the community and the folks that are left behind at the same time. So we're trying to treat the whole unit um, and like the stuff that you do in the community and stuff where mm -hmm. we're able to intersect and connect in the community, I think is great. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's that's great. And, and you mentioned a good point, like really provide the services to the whole family, because when when someone's taken out of that family, it affects the rest of the family. Mm -hmm. And so we've done some programs like that. Uh, we, we did a program of some years back. It was a, a life skills academy for young girls. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, when I was in charge of community services, we did a health and wellness program for young boys. Um, and many of them didn't have parents. Some of their parents were um, they didn't have two parents. And many right. of the parents uh, were incarcerated. And uh, it just it just dawned upon me. We had a dance. We had a father daughter dance. And I just remember going to the dance and having to dance with like five or six girls because they didn't have a father. Mm -hmm. And a couple of their fathers um, had been incarcerated. So I think that um, as a community, it's really important to understand what's left behind when someone is incarcerated and how it impacts everyone else in that household. And so. And the entire community. You're absolutely right. Yeah. We actually just did a father's daughter's dance in July um, mm -hmm. with some individuals that had gotten out and had started the family reunification process. So it, it was an amazing scene. The, the look. Yeah. The little young yeah. women's face is, uh, is very impactful, that that type of work. So mm -hmm. um, I think it's something else, you know, maybe you and I get together and we'll talk about uh, expanding and doing some more work together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I really think it's important for, um, Communities like Bridgeport and, and being a, a black man for um, the young people to see me and, and interact with me and, and know that, you know, I'm just like them. I come from similar situations. Uh, so it's really important that they know and that we connect with them and, and, and not just, you know, that they have a some personal interaction where they that, that's big that's big with me i like to go to the schools we like to we do roundtable forums i just think as a uh, in this position it's really important that i let them let them see me and get to know me you uh your department is it participate in any pal programming so yeah we we, we work with our pal um um we we're actually we need to do more with our pal mm -hmm. um and i've talked to our head of our pal here mike morella so we could do more but yeah, we we've always done pal. Um, you know, like I said, um, we work with the Boys and Girls Club, Paul Neighborhood House, Sheen Center, Caribe, 
um, you know, we're, we're embedded in, in all. I used to be a coach in Powell, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was one of the Powell basketball coaches. Right. You, you think you're taking on Obama? You got a good jump shot? Or what does that look like? Say that again? I said you've taken on Obama. You got a good jump shot. What does that look like? Yeah, I, I used to be able to drive, but my knees have slowed down, so I can't I can't get by people like I used to. So I got to just pull up. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this: I don't have an athletic bone on my body, but after I turned forty, that check engine light came on, so I ain't been doing too much at all. <laughs> well, I ain't gonna tell you how old I am. So that check engine light <laughs> came on a while ago. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, one of the other things I, I I wanted to talk about: you mentioned you know being a black man um, in your position and in this community. How how is it um, running a police department? One of the if not the the biggest city in uh, the state of Connecticut and in an urban or a minority filled environment. How does that work? Yeah, so you know, so I'm a big believer that uh, no matter what environment you 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 work in, right, everyone deserves quality professional police policing, right? So people in Trumbull, people in Bridgeport should all be afforded the same quality, respectful, professional policing. Um, but with that, I'm, I'm aware that minority communities, particularly black communities and Hispanic communities, there's some level of sensitivity that needs to be understood when you deal with these communities because of the past issues and there's some mistrust issues. Um, so it, it's a balance um, that uh, that we have to understand and be aware of and, and, and acknowledge, right? That's the first thing is acknowledge that there is some issues or they have been issues and, you know, um, and respect those issues. But at the end of the day, you know, we, we police respond to behaviors and conditions that exist, right? And we need to address those behaviors and conditions to, to, to uh, try and um, prevent crime from occurring. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, Everyone deserves quality, professional, respectful policing, no matter where you live, um, particularly in, in, in communities of color uh, because of our past histories. And, and I think we've begun to do that. Um, we've broken down some of the uh, mistrust that I think, and not that we we're there, we got a lot more work to do, uh, mm -hmm. but we've done some surveys that we, we've gotten some feedback from the community and uh, the majority of it was positive. Um, so we're going to continue to do that um, to let them know that, you know, we're not some occupying force. We're here to provide quality police services to our to our community. And, and uh, you know, I'm just committed to that. You know, and, you know, I accept nothing less of respectful policing, um, you know, and, and, and it's really important to be mindful of the concerns that communities of color have. Um, I'll share with you real quick. So, um, please. Um, so I work with the NAACP, Dr. Valtrin, the new president of the Bridgeport chapter, the NAACP. And, uh, you know, I just um, met with him maybe a week or so ago. And uh, I want to host one of the youth. They have a youth committee of the NAACP. I want to host one of their meetings in my office because I want the young people to know that, you know, the police are not their enemy. Right. We 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 should have good relationships. So. Um, yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and and it's a work in progress, right? We absolutely it's a work in progress, but people in Bridgeport deserve the same quality, professional, respectful police services as anyone else. Agreed, agreed, most assuredly. Um, I think uh one of the, the well, I don't think this will be the last question, but um in another lifetime, for me, um, I worked up at the state capitol, uh, and. I was in 
a position as the uh, information officer, and I did a lot of community programming, community awareness for an uh, agency up there called the African American Affairs Commissioners. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that commission was charged with was um, working with the uh, Alvin Penn Law. And mm -hmm. um, basically, it's a law uh, that was legislated by uh, the Bridgeport delegation at the time. I think that was Ernie Newton, Alvin Penn, and a few others, um, just around racial profiling, because uh, mm -hmm. Alvin Penn, Senator Penn, had gotten racially profiled uh, multiple times, and he was tired of it. Um, unfortunately, with like some bills, that bill was written back in the 90s, but it didn't really get any teeth or any weight behind it until like 2015 when I started with the commission. And uh, one of the things that we were doing at the time to get more awareness around the law um, where, you know, any any police stop that's made in this state by any, uh, whether it's municipal, state, trooper, whatever, you know, there's some compliance things that need to go along with uh, mm -hmm. the reporting of that stop. And you're well aware of that. So fast forward, it's 2015. We do a forum here in Bridgeport. Um, at the time. And basically what we had was the police chief of Bridgeport and the police chief of Stratford, because what the data was showing at the time was that a lot of Bridgeport residents were getting overly racial profiled in, in Stratford and getting stopped. And so we brought the community together. We brought the Stratford uh, police chief together with the Bridgeport police chief and had this discussion. Um, fast forward a few years later, um, there was some stuff with the Bridgeport police around not necessarily racial profiling individuals in the community, but some of the compliance behind that reporting. And now it's, it's 2024. I just want to get your thoughts about where you guys are at with that reporting. I know um, one of the things we talked about briefly was uh, some of the, I guess there was a computer system that was installed that wasn't necessarily working properly, but how are you guys doing with that and up in updating that information and sending it up to where it needs to go to? So, so as far as I'm aware, I, I'm not aware of any issues that we're having currently. Um, you know, uh, I know in the past there was some issues with uh, technologies to be able to directly send the information. Um, you know, we did transition to um, uh, some computer systems to uh, help us in that area. Um, you know, I think that you know, I knew Alvin Penn, um, obviously, as I respect that law. I think it was something that's needed. Um, I think initially there was, um, you know, with police officers, there's always the issue of, you know, getting buy-in and getting compliance and, and um, mm -hmm. you know, you know, change is not always good. I mean, it's it's not always accepted and it takes time to get it. Absolutely. Not that it's not good. It's good change, but sometimes, you know, it, it takes a while to want to get it going. But I think there was some technology issues with us having the, uh, the necessary technologies to re record all that information and, and uh, make sure it's properly sent up. Um, as you know, in the beginning, it was like handwritten stuff. It was, yeah, that's that's, and that was the issue. I think it was it was written on paper. It was written on paper, compiling all that stuff, and then yeah, all that, yeah, yeah, compiling the data. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I respect the law, and if there's any concerns that we are, I would definitely jump on and address it right away to make sure that we're doing everything we're supposed to do to uh, to comply. Um, you know, um, racial profiling is, you know, is disrespectful and it's demeaning and. Uh, you know, no one should be subjected to that. You know, um, legitimate police stops are legitimate police stops. And, and there's ways to do legitimate police stops based on, um, you know, proper information and uh, certain violations. But, uh, yeah, I'm a big supporter of of, uh, of the Alvin Penn law.
I, like I said, I knew Alvin. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, how how's recruitment going with you guys? I know uh, a couple of the times that you and I have met in the community, you you've had a new class with you, um, with one the program that we did at the library, and I think I was just out on the street like two days ago, and it looked like a group of recruits learning how to do traffic motor vehicle stuff. Yeah. yeah. So recruiting is 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 uh is going right. You know we're having issues with throughout the country. There's an issue with recruiting police officers getting people to become police officers throughout the country. Um, but this past year in, in 2023, we did really well. The mayor um, committed like to hiring over 100 cops from last July of 2023. Um, so in 2023, we hired 43 new police officers. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue with our recruiting drives. We've done some things in the city of Bridgeport to help it um, easier for us to uh, attract new officers. So we're doing something where we're taking laterals where in the past we weren't able to take laterals in Bridgeport um, because of some charter issues, but the mayor's office changed that. Um, so now we're able to take offices who might be at another department who might want to come to Bridgeport because, you know, Bridgeport is the best police department in the state now. So people want to yeah. come here and be cops in Bridgeport. Um, but, you know, um, getting people interested in young in, in becoming law enforcement, we have to reintroduce law enforcement to our younger generation because they have a perception of law enforcement based on things that they've seen in the media and, and because of some legitimate incidents as well. Right. So um, I understand some of the concerns, but so I think that we um, in the city of Bridgeport, we've gone a long way the last year or so to kind of um, change that perception. And, and, and we continue to work to train to change that perception because, um, you know, we're going to need new officers going forward. And uh, we want young people to know that being a police officer is still a good viable career. Right. It's a career of service, right? Um, you're providing, you know, we're public servants. And, um, you know, we need to re-engage our young people to want to provide service to our community. And not just law enforcement, but service providers in general or people, public, it's, it's a challenge across the board. Mm -hmm. um, so what we're doing in the city of Bridgeport is we're trying to help people um, with how we police now, the perception of us, how we carry ourselves. And then we offer information sessions where we're trying to help people get through the process. Um, we're not trying to fail people out. If you fell out, it's because there's nothing we could do to get you through. But we offer sessions where we tell you what the what the um, physical requirements are going to be, what some of the testing requirements are going to be, what the background requirements are going to be. Um, and we work with people to get through the process. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing process. Whenever I meet with my counterparts from New Haven or Harford, the first thing we talk about is, How's your recruiting going? How many people you got? How many did you lose? Or uh, so yeah, we got work to do in the area. But we're in Bridgeport. I'm happy to say that um, we have a big commitment from 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 Mayor Ganim, right? A hundred cop commitment um, within a year. We're the funding for it, um, and we've already done forty three. Um, oh, wow. So okay. you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna do okay. But you know, ultimately, Earl, it's 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 the things that have heard that have occurred over the last. Five, 10, 15 years that have put a negative um, light on the on the law enforcement career, and we have to change that perception. And some of it, again, valid perceptions of of what people think about law enforcement, but uh, we have to change that narrative and 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 show that it's a career um, of service where you can be impactful, um, especially in a city like Bridgeport. You know, you could really impact someone's life positively um, in law enforcement in, in the city of Bridgeport. I mean, you know just like what you're doing. 
you know, you see us out and about and, you know, what you're doing is impacting people's lives and not only their lives, but their families. So um, we bring on young cops sometimes here and um, some of them, you know, may have had a past or, or whatever and they're a little older and they get these jobs and they're like, hey, man, this impacts my not only my life, but this is going to help me with my family and, and, and everything else going forward. Um, so, um, yeah, I think it's still a good career. It's something I, like I said, I've been doing this for 37 years and always wanted to be in law enforcement. No, I, I think that uh, civil service, uh, public service stuff is is really important. I know the Army has had to shift gears and started doing like pre-Army boot camps to to get mm -hmm. and, and helpful as well. Um we're going to be ending in just a moment. I, I would just like if you could share, you know, I know you talked about recruitment and the commitment from Mayor Ganim, and that's great. And you're almost halfway at that at that halfway point. I'm wondering if um, if you could just share before we depart here uh, a major win that you or something that you consider a major win and something that you consider still a challenge that you're working on. Um. Wow, that's good. Well, in terms of like the department, um, one of our major wins was we got a new contract for our offices, right? Okay. Um, you know, the mayor and his staff and we worked with our union and we were able to, because uh, we had been without a contract for about a year and a half, two years. So that really made the salary in Bridgeport more competitive. And uh, you know, that was one of our major wins to, uh, to get that commitment in terms of financial to provide the officers with, um, you know, a, you know, I think a respectful pay. Um, so I think that's one of our major wins. Challenges, um, you know, we just got to continue to recruit. Um, you know, I'm always concerned about crime. Um, we 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 kind of held it steady, even though we've been like 100 officers short. Um, and that's due in large part to the good work that our police officers do, but also um, our community engagement efforts are. Um, I think community engagement efforts help drive down the crime. So I think that's another um, win. But crime is always something that we're concerned about in Bridgeport. All right, sir. I hope this won't be the last time we get together, and I look forward to speaking to you again, man. Yeah, likewise, Earl. And you got to do my, you know, my Facebook live um, to your to your audience. Hey, every other Tuesday, and in, in this Tuesday is one of them. I do a, a a Facebook live where we talk about policing issues. Um, and I'm gonna bring you on so you can talk about the importance of Myra and how it affects uh law I'm enforcement there, and policing. You tell me what time I'll be there. All right, man. All right, God bless, man. And, uh, all right, thanks for having me. Good luck with your Knicks out there. I'm a Lakers hey. fan. Uh, Lake, all right, yeah, you need the luck now. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got, we're getting back up, dude. All right, hey, LeBron's getting old, man. You got to let that go. He's the best <laughs> man in the business. You know it. <laughs> all right, all, you take care, man. Take care, man. All right, we'll talk. All right, be safe. All right. God bless. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, uh, at this time, I want to say we got uh, some superstars joining us. Um, so I'll, I'll let them introduce themselves. But we have some folks here from the New Haven contingent of Hang Time. And if you guys want to go ahead and unmute yourselves and, and, you know, profile that camera, those winning smiles, those thousand watt smiles that y'all have, um, I, I'd appreciate it. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining us. What's going on? Happy to be What's going here. On? Happy New Year. All right, same to you. Hey, everybody. How are you today? How you doing, doing this? We doing silk, Motel, silk. Hold right. on. I need, there we go. Okay. I okay. was getting lost in the blur. All right. <laughs> 
So I am Mentayel Sokimota, um, and I am program assistant to Hang Time um, New Haven. Awesome. And I'm Keith Smith Jr. I'm the co-program manager for Hangtime New Haven and outreach specialist for Hangtime New Haven. All right. And so for, for the folks that may not know uh, about Hangtime and the great story with uh, Charlie Grady, uh, Connecticut's finest, um, who's uh, what, what? he's a poet, he's a playwright, he's an actor, <laughs> singer, he's a guitarist. Right. Charlie, like ninety nine years old, and he looked like he's twenty five. We could get into that right now, but right. Hangtime um, started in Bridgeport, but it spread its wings. And what are you guys? And how are you guys doing with the social hub networking for uh, the reentry community? Uh, community connecting that reentry um, population to the general population in the community. And how are you guys making that work? Um. Well, we outreach to the uh, halfway houses in the area. Um, like you said, yes, Hang Time began in 2014 in Bridgeport uh, originally with Hang Time, and it's and it's been doing well. And uh, it, some things have great things have came out since 2014 when they started it. You know, her time was birthed out of that, uh, where that's you know exclusively just for the women in the in the community to come together. Um, they also worked on. They have a program called Hang Time Mobile, which allows uh, individuals that are attendees to hang time to be able to go outside of their community and uh, travel and see, you know, different um, landmarks uh, to be able to get familiar with them and have that experience. I think most recently they had one, a trip that went to D.C. and they were able to visit the Capitol. So that's something that's really cool for those that come and become involved with hang time. And then you have the Choices program that we're trying to help with youth. Currently, right now, I think they're in, we're in Bridgeport, uh, and I think Crosby and Waterbury, yep. and we're just looking to spread that out in different uh, areas of Connecticut. But that's where we're at right now with this. So it's really, it's really, really cool. I think um, I would like to give it to um, Silky to explain her time a little bit more because I think that's important for the individual, the women in our community to know about. I'll let you go with that, Silky. So we have her time as well um, in Bridgeport, Waterbury, and New Haven. Um, and her time is a, a space only for the women, not even our founder, Tra Charlie Grady, is allowed to come. <laughs> heard about um, that. But, yeah, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. Listen, we need our space. We need our, our own time and our own space. Um, and that's what, that's what her time is, um, you know, Mothers, girlfriends, wives, daughters, you know, cousins, we, we support um, our men when they are incarcerated. And we also help carry that burden, you know, and, and we need a space where we can talk about that, you know. Um, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful space where um, there's no judgment. There's no judgment, and we just love on each other. Um, so, yeah, her time is amazing. If you have a sister, a mom, a cousin, or a friend, bring them down. We are at Project More once a month, the third Thursday, um, on the first floor from 6 to 8 p.m. And then we also have the scholarship program 
um, where we um, give scholarships to um, seniors that will be graduating that have been impacted by incarceration. Um, and also, um, we have uh, scholarships also for adults that have been um, impacted um, by in incarceration. And the grade eight, mm, which uh, Mr. Keith I was Smith there. is a part of. <laughs> I was getting there. I was getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting there. So yeah, the grade eight is, is something that was also a part of a product of paying time. It created something we call the hall of change where individuals that have been incarcerated at some point in their lives came home, made the proper adjustments to be able to get their life going in the right direction and giving back to their community. So this recognizes those eight individuals within the state uh, for their for their work and what they've been doing. And yes, I was blessed to be able to be a 2023 grade eight inductee. Um, we're looking forward to have the unveiling of that, uh, of that, you know, that class that was, you know, inducted uh, in April 25th, 2024 in Newgate Prison. It's in uh, Granby, Connecticut. Uh, it's at the old Newgate Prison. It was one of the first prisons ever inside of the state of Connecticut that they housed individuals there. And when you go there, you can see, you know, the mundane circumstances from which individuals were being detained at that time back in the day uh, to be able to evolve it now to be a museum for those individuals that are to be posted, their story to be told in that place about their you know great job and coming home and just finding their way and turning it around. So I think that it's it's really commensurate to the kind of work that, you know, from where we've been to where we're coming uh, to be celebrated for that. Uh, I think it's a great thing. So yes, we also have the grade eight and I believe that it's removing that around. I believe that the, there's going to be, there's places, states outside of Connecticut that's looking to have the Hall of Change in grade eight. Yeah, I, I believe we're looking at Maryland. I think Maryland, Maryland. is coming soon. Um, so we're growing. Hang time is growing. Uh, and I believe that it's something that can be able to be uh, beneficial to communities uh, all over America. Because this issue is not just a Connecticut thing. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a human thing. You know, so coming home and adjusting our lives and being able to have community like Silky said to come together and to be able to vent that, you know, to be heard. That's the thing. That's a lot of issues that we have within our community. A lot of individuals are pent up and they're not being heard for their whatever it is that's troubling them. And then it comes out sometimes in other ways in the community, whether it be drug abuse or violence, you know, leading to, of course, incarceration or death. And we're trying to deter that by the work that we do, by giving individuals a safe place to come and have respectful, real talk about community issues that may be affecting their life, whether it be, you know, uh, straight away or around them and somebody that they're close to. But it's still the space to be able to freely speak your mind and be heard is what hang time is all, her time is all about. So, so let me ask you guys this. Um, having been to a couple of the hang time sessions myself, um, I know there are some things that are, are keenly uh, important um that that take place in these sessions and what's the, what happens at hang time stays at hang time but um for for the uninitiated um you know <laughs> understanding <laughs> is that you if you're coming to hang time you're going to be treated with respect you're going to have yep. a meal always yep. you're gonna be out of the mill and oh uh shameless plug for any um 
food places or restaurants out there that would like to donate the hang time, you can uh, either reach out to myself or we'll get the contact information for Miss Silky and Mr. Smith mm -hmm. who'd like to donate a meal for one of the hang time sessions. I'm sure they would love it. Um, so again, you got to get respect, real talk. You're going to get a meal and you're going to learn something new. Is that correct? For sure. For sure. That's it. That's our That's motto. It. That's it. Yeah. So we, we encourage everybody to come. Like I said, hang time is inclusive um, of of children and women. And that's the only thing that's different between the hang time and her time. Her time exclusive for women, no man. You know, the man got to carry all the weight on the back, right? Like, oh, you take the family, but then the women can do all the back. It's up we, 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 you know, we ain't get there yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, but and, we, and we also don't over promise and under deliver. Under deliver, that's yeah. right. Indeed. That's right. If we say we're going to do something for an individual, we're going to go to ground to try to get that, make that happen. Because um, that's a part of coming to hang time. It's not just about the sessions. We actually have individuals that are a part of hang time that, that behind closed doors and when the session is not on Tuesday or Thursday, calls are being made, connections are being made in the community to be able to help individuals to get to the resources that is provided through hang time. Because that's what it is. Right, it's a community, uh, a social networking hub that individuals that are that, like, that come to, they come around, they say what they're doing in the community of individual that's maybe just coming home or been home and not aware of this. Guess what? Match made in heaven because now you need something. This person's offering something. You meet at hang time. You come together. You exchange numbers or emails. That is that situation that you had can now be rectified because you got the proper resource. And that's what we're trying to do. Connect the individuals with the proper resources in the community to help them, you know, live the life that they want to live. So we encourage all those other providers that have resources. We welcome you. We welcome you to come and present what you're doing in the New Haven County area, in the greater New Haven area to all the individuals that are it's applicable to. Because they want to, they want these resources, but the thing about them is they just don't know that they exist. So we invite other providers that have resources to come present what it is that you're doing in the community, because that's what we need to continue to grow uh, the numbers uh, over there at hang time. It's a collaboration. It is. It's definitely a collaboration. It is. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, so, I'm sorry, Silky, go ahead. You are about to say something. I was going to say, come and have dinner with the hang time family. All right. right. Next question. Either one of you can take it. When is Hang Time New Haven and where? Hang Time New Haven is Thursday. Um, sorry. I can't find the page. Oh, it's Thursday the 1st. We have the next one is going to be <laughs> Thursday the 1st, 109 Legion Avenue at the Continuum um, from 6 to 8 p.m. And we, we do that every other, because every other week, every other like week. I said, hang time is in other parts of Connecticut, and we're in, also in Waterbury, like you said, already Bridgeport. Um, so we swap Thursdays with Waterbury. So it's New Haven, then it's Waterbury and Thursdays. It's New Haven, and, we're, and then Tuesday, every single Tuesday, we're in Bridgeport, in Bridgeport. At, at the Borough Center. At the Borough Center. Yep. 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 And we're at 109 Legion Ave. That's yes. Yep. In New Haven. Thank you. Yep. That's it. And then her time is also the third Wednesday of every month at Project More. 
That's 980 Grand Avenue? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, Thank you. I, no, not 980. 830. It's 830? Okay, sorry. Yeah, because that, it? yes, it's in that plaza. Yes, it's 830 Grand Avenue. 830 Grand Avenue. Okay, my apologies. Yep. It's okay. Um, I, I would also say any folks that's listening to this, um, we can get you guys connected to hang time. If what they've talked about, you're interested in, um, you could also, um, we will, we can send out information through the greater New Haven range round table, um, which email is G N H R R T, um, at gmail.com. So if you're interested, we can get you guys connected over uh at, with the hang time folks and uh we'll send out some flyers that they have and again if there are any restaurants that would like to you know tax deductible donation to mm -hmm. food to hang time please don't hesitate to reach out to us um so yeah. you guys talked about um the hang time mobile trips what what's what's coming up next i know there have been plays then there's stories and, and and vignettes done by the great eight what do you guys have coming up in the in the near future well, as far as mobile trip, well, we just started 2024, mm -hmm. so we haven't set up an actual mobile trip, but the event that we have right now in the foreseeable future that's current in New Haven is uh, the dining dining at McDonald's. It's on, um, I don't have the flyer. Do you have that flyer, Silky, available right yeah. now real quick? And then you let Silky just read the details off of the flyer because that's the most up. It's in March, I believe, March 22nd. It's on a Friday night where it's an open mic where all individuals are encouraged to come. Uh, you have poetry. You spit bars. You know, you got something you want to say. As long as it's, you know, you know, uh, kid, you know, respectful, family friendly, family friendly. Um, we encourage you to come down and take part in that and buy a meal. Because whatever proceeds that are, you know, acquired from people buying meals for this event is going to go towards hang time. So it's between the hours, I believe. What's the hours? So can you know the hours? The hours are... I'm looking for the flyer now. Sorry. Okay. It's 5 to 8 p.m. And what day? Friday, Friday, March 22nd, 2024, um, at the McDonald's at... 250 Whaley Avenue in New Haven. Thank you. Here so, you go. Make sure you guys give five me to eight, so every single meal, anything that they sell, um, a, a portion will go to hang time. Awesome. Yes. Make sure you guys get yeah. me over that flyer so I can make sure it gets disseminated throughout the uh, Rancher Roundtable networks there. Yep. That's a plan. That's a promise. And I also want to be able to come to the Roundtable in New Haven. I haven't been to that one yet. So please. Oh, you know. Uh, Loop, 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 loop me, loop us in so we could be able to come in yes, uh, and be able to come in and, and talk to those individuals over there straight away. That'd be nice. If you could add us to the um, email link. That reentry yeah. round table is every third Wednesday of the month. And uh, okay. yeah, we're more than happy to have you up here. You can talk about hang, New Haven hang time and whatever else you might have going on. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. We appreciate it. Absolutely. You guys are doing great work. Um, I mean, hang, like I said, hang time started in Bridgeport, but it spread its wings and to to different geographical areas. And not only that, it's expanded and doing other programming. Um, I remember uh, a time ago, it had to be like 2016. Uh, I remember meeting with Charlie. And he had, he's like, man, I got this great idea about the grade eight. Da, da, da. And he it went from his mouth to God's ears and, and turned into a reality. And now we're on what, the third mm -hmm. of the grade eight uh induction so yeah 
amazing work yeah. you guys are doing in the community with the social networking hub of, of hang time and I just look forward to, to having you guys on again. Um, we're down to about one minute. Any last parting words you guys want to share with the community regarding Hang Time and Hang Time New Haven specifically? You got to come into the room so you understand the energy, who we are, and what we do. It's it's something that has to be seen and felt to and know. Experience. You can't just talk yeah. about it. Yeah, you can't. You can't. So see you at Hang Time. That's what's up. That's what's up. See you at hang time. That's it. All right. You guys want to get the time again, the time and location again, please? 109 Legion Ave in New Haven at the Continuum Building. And our next session is February 2nd. First. Oh, first? Yeah. Yep. Next Thursday is the first. Yep. That's it. 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Yep. Yep. All right, folks. And tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell a friend to tell a friend. That's right, Suki. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Earl, for the opportunity. Here. Thank you for the opportunity, Earl. You guys join me. All right, thank you. Got it right. Let's face up each other. Black, brown, yellow, blue, white. Let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spite. The highest we can be. You are listening to the Tom Fitton Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.